Gracious Father, we want to pause just for a moment to uh, ask that you would remove the distractions that could cause us to uh, have our minds wander during this time or even our hearts. Uh, And Father, just draw us close through your spirit in these moments we have together this morning. Uh, We count it a privilege that we have your word uh, uh, that we can read and study. We thank you that uh, we can meet in this warm place, even though it's cold outside, uh, to be able to uh, raise our voices in uh, joyous song, but also to to take in uh, your holy word, uh, which will transform us uh, as we continue to... uh, obey it and make it part of who we are. And so, Father, I pray that for all of us here this morning, uh, that we would uh, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have called us. Uh, And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4, if you're not there already. Uh, And we are continuing on. And just so you're aware, uh, on the second, I did see my shadow, and so this will be six more weeks of this particular section. And it's not going to be six weeks. But as we begin uh, here in verses uh, one to three, let me reread that uh, so that we have our context of the next phrase, which will finish out verse two uh, as we continue here. Says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, so far as we've uh, taken a look here in chapter four and as we've begun, Just by way of context, as we think about bearing with one another in love, we need to be mindful of what biblical humility is. It is a lowliness of mind that ceases living only to self as one considers the needs of others above their own, embracing God's authority and provision by casting all burdens on the Lord, thereby experiencing godly contentment. That was the whole sermon in one sentence. Uh, And as we look at biblical humility, that is the the foundation by which we will be able to do the end of verse 2, which is bear with one another in love. Partnered with that is biblical meekness, which is a willful acceptance of what God has ordained, no matter what that may be showing power under control and a redirecting of our focus in trust to God's higher thoughts and ways. So humility, meekness, and the last time we talked about biblical patience. And it is a quality of a person who is able to avenge himself, yet refrains from doing so, exhibiting a godly enduring and waiting. And so all three of those working together as a foundation will give us the ability when we are humble, when we are gentle or meek, and when we exercise patience to be able to do this next characteristic. Because you won't be able to bear with one another in love if you're not humble. You will not be able to bear with one another if you are not gentle or meek. You will not be able to bear with one another in love without being patient. 
You need all of these to work together, which is a testimony as we think about it, uh, even in the song that we sung uh, uh, in relation to holiness, something that we're commanded to be but also cannot be apart from God. The same is true in relation to these characteristics, that in order to be biblically humble, meek, and patient, and to biblically bear with one another in love, we cannot do that in our own strength because we will fail in some aspect. And it will all you know, come together as we take and look at this fourth characteristic of how important it is for us to have the Spirit working in and through us. And so I'd like to begin here as we take a look at this fourth characteristic of walking in a manner worthy is for you to see the three different ways this particular Greek word, bearing with, is used in the New Testament. Uh, And there are three different passages. You're welcome to turn there. But each one will give us a a little different nuance in relation to how this Greek word is used. Uh, And it will help us be able to see which one is a little bit more focused on what we're talking about here in our context, but also, two how these other two ways can actually help us better uh, bear with one another in love. And so the first comes out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And this is in relation to it being used uh, and spoken in relation to things, to endure, to bear patiently uh, in relation to actual affliction. And so that's where we find ourselves here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Starting in verse 3, it says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring." So that last phrase, you are enduring, is the same Greek word we find in our text today uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. And you'll notice that it's it's speaking directly in relation to how the believers there in Thessalonica are, you know, bearing up under affliction. They are enduring affliction. They're patiently enduring it, so much so that they want to give testimony as they go around to the other churches to say, You know, the the believers in Thessalonica are living exactly the way they should in light of who they are in Christ Jesus. And this should be an example for these other churches for them to act in such a way that even when they find themselves on the receiving end of affliction or persecution, that they remain steadfast in their faith, that they endure through it. So that's the first way it's used here in the New Testament. The second way comes out of Matthew chapter 17, which is the way that uh, we'll see uh, ties in exactly with what we're talking about in relation to walking in a manner worthy as we think about humility, gentleness, and patience uh, as the context. Matthew chapter 17, and I'd like to begin reading in verse uh, 18. And this is the account where Jesus... Uh, has a father bring his epileptic son to him for healing. Uh, And I'll pick it up reading in verse 14. He says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic. And he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. 
And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. Verse 17. And Jesus answered, O faithless and, and twisted generation, how long am I, going, or am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. So you'll notice there in verse 17, it says, How long am I to bear with you? That's the same Greek word we find here in Ephesians chapter 4. And some may look at that and say, well, is Jesus just getting frustrated with people? You know, why is he, you know, saying, you know, how long am I going to uh, be with you and how long am I going to bear with you? In other words, how long am I going to patiently bear up amidst all of this unbelief? Because he talks about uh, those that, that are, are, you know, lacking in faith, but also to those who are living in this generation perversely. And so what Jesus is doing here is, is stating and, and identifying the very things that he has come to speak to. What you're supposed to have faith in, which is Jesus Christ, and what you're, how you're supposed to live in light of that. Uh, and the thing is, is that people were bringing all of their sick to Jesus, thinking that he was just a great healer. Well, Jesus was so much more than just a great healer. He had the power of God and was God in order to be able to heal physical ailment, but that's not why he came. And so as he's making this declaration and saying, how long am I going to patiently bear up? How long am I even going to be with you? Because he knows that there's a time coming, you know, very shortly where he's going to have to give his life to shed his blood so that forgiveness of sins can be brought to a perverse generation that lives only for self and everything that is characteristic of this world. How long? Well, Jesus, in giving this example here, is you know, speaking a documentary on the, the, the culture at that time, but also as a, a call to each and every one of us, is that Jesus was bearing with them. He was continuing to show them the truth. He still healed people but he ultimately came to heal something that only the Son of God can heal, and that is someone who is spiritually dead and bringing them to spiritual life. So this is the, the kind of uh, bearing with that is spoken of persons. Uh, it means to bear with, to have patience with in regard to the errors or the weaknesses of anyone. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here uh, as he speaks to this. Uh, and also calls them to uh, not be faithless, but to instead have faith that is based in God instead of themselves. Then the third example comes out of 2 Timothy. Uh, and this is, uh, by implication, it means to admit, to receive, or to listen to. Uh, and this is uh, for all the men that are in the... Uh, Wednesday night, men's Bible study. We're not quite yet to chapter 4 yet. Well, we will get there. But this is a charge to young Timothy. Uh, and you'll notice there, picking up in verse 1 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. And this is what he's commissioning young Timothy to do as a pastor to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort 
And notice this, and, and this, this kind of pops out of the page, with complete patience and teaching. So again, we see that, that, that segment of patience, which we find in our text here in Ephesians 4. He says in verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So you notice there in verse 3, Paul is telling Timothy, after charging him to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, that there is a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. So that Greek word in, for endure here in our text this morning is that same word in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And, and it is talking about listening to, receiving, or admitting uh, to something. Uh, And so, as we see these three different ways that this Greek word is used here in the New Testament, I believe each one of them helps us to better understand the scope of what it says here in our text, bearing with one another in love. Because there's an aspect of bearing with one another in love that sometimes those you have to bear with will bring affliction into your life, where you're going to have to be patient with them, you're going to have to endure things that you would rather not. But again, this is what we are called to do. This is part of walking in a manner worthy is that we endure or bear patiently even in relation to the afflictions or persecutions we may find as believers in Jesus Christ, whether that is from the non-Christian world towards Christians or whether that is internally Christian with Christian because those things do happen. But also, too, another aspect of this is that sometimes as we take a look at the body of believers, that there are times when we have to bear with one another because maybe someone is believing something in error. Uh, Maybe because they're young in their faith and they haven't matured yet and haven't had the Spirit teach them and guide them in the truth that they need to see. Maybe because they need to see it lived out in you as you in humility Uh, in gentleness or meekness and with patience bear with them and show them from the scriptures what that truth is. And sometimes we just find out that maybe either we are the one who is weak or someone else that's a brother or sister in Christ that is going through a time of weakness uh, where they're forgetting maybe the truths of the word of God. Maybe they are allowing the circumstances of life to push out that call to be holy as I am holy. But also, too, sometimes it's where we we find that when we are representing the truth of the Word of God, that sometimes people don't want to hear it. It doesn't mean that you just, you you know, give up on them, because each one of us is still growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And yes, that that biblical truth does not change because it's God's truth. But there's an aspect where there might be sometimes where we need to listen to what someone has to say and then use the scripture to speak to it, much like what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. You know, he could have done many things, but what did Jesus do? He quoted the word of God so that as he listened to what Satan was putting forth, he heard it but did not receive it in light of what the, the, the tempter was aiming for, and that was to cause the Son of God to stumble and to sin. 
but instead he proclaimed the word of God. He proclaimed the truth, he stood firm, he remained sinless. So those three aspects, as you can see, how it's used in the New Testament are, are ways in which we can look at this even in light of how we live our lives today. And the thing is, is that if we are all sinners, which I'll stand here before you and say that I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and I know biblically you are all sinners as well. So is there any reason to think that there would not be a scripture like this that would call us to bear with one another? Because we're sinners, right? So that means that we don't always do everything right. That means sometimes we operate out of selfishness. So it shouldn't surprise us when we're called to bear with one another. Because sometimes I'm going to be the problem that you're going to have to be in humility, gentleness, patience, you know, say, Pastor Bill, you know what, your attitude in relation to this is something that you need to consider. Or it may be the other way around. But the thing is, is that we're all still growing. We are all still, you know, seeking to be obedient, to be holy as God is holy. Charles Spurgeon uh, is quoted as saying, a pastor must have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the skin of a rhinoceros. And anyway, as I was writing this sermon, it's, it's kind of ironic. You know, I think God has a, a true sense of humor because, you know, as you, you end up following the Lord in ministry, that there are times in ministry where, you know, challenges come. You know, sometimes because of the result of choices that I've made that were made out of selfish reasons, or maybe it's out of, you know, uh, what others are looking to, you know, make accusation of. And, you know, as you think of having a skin of a rhinoceros, that means that there's going to be times where you're going to have to bear under affliction, sometimes when you're going to have to continue to keep bringing someone back to the truth of the Word of God again and again and again, and where you're going to have to listen, but then again point them to the truth that they need to hear, almost as if it's endlessly. Or even maybe someone that you're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with, maybe a loved one that you keep sharing the truth of the gospel and it just keeps bouncing off of them like it's, it's not getting through. So in humility, with meekness, with patience, we're supposed to bear with them in such a way that we continue to reflect Christ in such a way that they will see their need and that God will use that as an opportunity to change them. Forbearing in love. The Greek here, you know, we, we, most translations say bearing. Um, some say forbearing. Um, and this forbearing in love is important because it could have just said forbearing. It could have just said bearing with people, bearing with one another. But you'll notice there's a little tackle on the end there, in love. And so that helps give us context in relation to what this forbearing should look like. Because every relationship has differences, every relationship has difficulties, every relationship has frustrations. Because you have individuals coming together with the hopes of everything meshing in such a way that you can get along with one another. But that always is, is not always the case, is it? Sometimes people you know, can cause you to think things, say things, and do things 
And I'm not giving an excuse or a reason to do those just because of what someone says. But see, that's part of in humility, meekness, patience, bearing with someone, is that sometimes they say things or do things that push your buttons. But does that give you a license to respond in a way that is not loving? See, again, it's within the context of love. How many times have you heard, I wouldn't put up with that if I was you? Maybe you've even said that yourself. Well, see, some will look at this bearing up and say that it's, it's just putting up with somebody. You know, um, I, 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 yes, I'm in a relationship with them, but I'm just going to put up with them. Um, or, you know, I'm, go- I'm going to tolerate them. Well, see, this is not what the text is saying. This is not just a tolerating bearing. This is not just a putting up with, which a lot of the definitions, as you look at this, they actually use the word putting up. But, you know, when I think about putting up with somebody, there's a negative connotation with it all the time. And maybe, maybe that's just me. But this is not putting up with somebody. This is not just tolerating. This is loving them in light of how God has loved you. Remember back to Ephesians chapter 4? You're there in chapter, or you're in chapter 4. Look back to chapter 2. Look at verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved because of the great love with which he has loved us. See, the love, that great love by which God has loved you is the same love that you should exhibit when you are in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. That's the standard. That's the the level to which we should be seeking to love these individuals and to be loved like this by others when we are on the the, uh, wrong end of the equation. See, forbearing love takes insult after insult while continuing to love. Forbearing love gives endlessly and wholeheartedly. Forbearing love is not selfish. You starting to see a trend here? This is not just tolerating. This is not just putting up with somebody. This is a love that is based in that great love with which God loved you when you were in that relationship, the enemy, the one causing God the grief. And so what did God do? Because he is love, with a great love, he loved you. And so as we think about our earthly relationships here, that is our standard, is that we're supposed to love just like that. Forbearing love is not a love that takes and never gives. Forbearing love is not a love that gives expecting something in return. See, this is the kind of love, and if you want the the exact Greek word, it's agape love. Okay, that is the type of love that it is speaking of here in relation to how we are to, uh, in humility, in gentleness, in patience, bear up with or bear with one another in love. So it's not quite like what the world would say. It's not quite like oftentimes what our relationships can look like. 
So it doesn't matter what the relationship is. If you're a child of God here this morning, if you're a son or daughter of God, then this is what God is commanding you to do, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, which is exhibited in all four of these characteristics being done in love because of the great love that God has had, have, has had for you in Christ Jesus. So what does that look like in relation to some scriptures? 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Okay, so in the relationships that may be just surface or general acquaintance, or whether they are relationships that are, say, husband and wife, or parent and child, or brother in Christ, sister in Christ, with brother or sister in Christ. Always seek to do good to one another and to everyone, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.15. 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. See, the thing is, as we obey in light of this, if we live in light of these four characteristics, then that love can help even when you are wronged, even when you are insulted, even when you are afflicted, where God can give you a peace that passes all understanding because you're doing the right thing by God and therefore doing the right thing by them. It looks like this, James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Relationships are hard. Sometimes almost impossible. But see, as a child of God, God has given you something that the rest of the fallen world and even those that may be believers that are not living in light of that great love with which they've been loved, you have something that can change them from the inside out. You have something that can show the world that, yes, everyone else may repay evil for evil, or, you know, I don't know how you're putting up with that individual. I would never do that. Or in frustration, walk away from relationships just because you can, because the culture allows you to do it, when the Bible says, no, love in this way, bear with one another in patience, gentleness, humility. See, it is being aware of the fact that we all struggle with burdens and need someone else in humility, gentleness, and patience to bear with us in love. You know, we can look and say, well, you know, it's not me. Well, yes, sometimes it is you. Sometimes we can be so blinded by our own desire that we don't even realize that we are the problem. When life's burdens come crashing down and we stumble in our faith, or when we are not remembering some of the simplest truths of the Scriptures, or when we forget who God is and how He cares for us, the question is, do we point fingers at them or come alongside them and help them carry the load? To bear with them in love. So how should this inform our lives today? In other words, what is the application? 
because I don't preach just to hear my voice. I don't preach to hear my voice at all. It's kind of raspy. I preach because the Word of God changed me, and I know it can change you as well. H.A. Ironside said, as he took this particular scripture and put it into his own words, as he looked at the, the context and looked at the Greek definitions of these words, he says, with all modesty and humbleness of spirit, with unruffled temper, lovingly putting up with all that is disagreeable in other people. Now, I would have chosen something different than putting up with because I just spoke to that. But the idea is here is that there is a humbleness of spirit. There is someone who is not quick to anger in relation to their relationships with someone else. Even when they're disagreeable, even when they rub you the wrong way, even when they do the same thing over and over and over again. Because sometimes that's you. Sometimes you need to be the one that has someone in your life that does these four characteristics to you to deepen that relationship, to draw you back in. Are we willing to bear with one another even when there are differences, difficulties, or frustrations? Because sometimes you may be in a situation where you're, you're uh, discipling a young believer there's lots of excitement there. There's a lot of, you know, wanting to get into the Word of God, but also, too, there are things that they, they don't know because they haven't been reading the Word of God for very long. And here you are, a mature believer, and, you know, there's a, a side where you look at it and say, you know, Lord, give me that excitement again. You know, help me to, to see that. Or you may be thinking, you know, when are they going to learn? You know, how come they don't know that? It's something simple. Do you see how the, the focus can change? And the thing is, are we in humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with them as we come alongside them with the purpose of them teaching us as they show us some of the things that they're learning and we teach them something as well? The give and take that happens in relationships. Or maybe it's over essential doctrine versus non-essential doctrine. You know, because sometimes doctrine divides. And the question is, are we willing to, to come at it in such a way that we are willing to, to bear with one another in love as we look at the things scripturally that are essential? There's no compromise on how we're saved. The gospel is the gospel. Jesus is the way. No one comes to the Father except through him. But other things that may not be you know, essential. Jesus is coming back. The book of Revelation, people with doctorates, multiple doctorates, have disagreed over when Christ is coming. But I know Jesus is coming. So the question is, as we look at these different things, as we look at essential versus non-essential, or how about shallow faith versus a deep faith? As we're looking, you know, at the body of believers. You know, for some of us, as we look at the situation, you know, God has graced us with the ability to exercise faith in a particular situation. And sometimes we can look at others and say, you know, well, you're just weak in your faith. You know, actually, a movement, uh, the, 
uh, you know, health and wealth and prosperity uses that as one of their main things. You don't have enough faith, otherwise you would, you would be well. Well, see, the thing is, is that sometimes we are shallow in our faith. Sometimes we, we find ourselves focusing on the circumstances of life as opposed to having a strong faith and trusting in the Spirit to guide us and to direct us. So the thing is, is that God has given us a body. We are a part of a body of believers, and so therefore we can be there for one another in our times of weaknesses as well as our times of strength. And we all have them. I have them. You have them. Or maybe it's personal preference versus biblical principle. See, there's all kinds of things that we could look at. These are just a few. You know, and, and, and uh, Paul is going to be getting into some real-life examples here as we look at the relationships between husbands and wives and children and parents and, you know, slaves and owners, uh, talking about how we should walk in love yet as we finish out the book of Ephesians. Because the thing is, is that we are involved with relationships. We were meant to be relational people. And so the question is, is how are you going to look at those relationships Standing on your high horse, looking down at everyone else, thinking that you are the one who has everything together and everybody else is falling apart? Or are you going to realize is that you need to humble yourself and be gentle and patient and bear with someone in love? Because that might be you on the receiving end. That great love of God with which he has loved us through his son must enable and empower and encourage us to support each other as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. See, this is why it's important for us to live this way. This is why we are called and urged and admonished to walk in a manner worthy is because we need each other When the body rejoices, or one portion of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. When one portion of the body hurts, the rest of the body hurts. When one part of the body needs encouragement, the rest of the body can be the encourager. See, we're part of a family. We're part of a body of Christ, a local body of Christ. And the thing is, is we can learn from this example here of what we are called to do. And the only way we're going to do it is if we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit because he is the one who can help us to do it in love towards one another, whether we are the one giving the love or the ones receiving the love because we're at any point in our Christian walk going to be on either side of that. And so may we as believers today, as Ellington Baptist Church, forbear in love with one another realizing that none of us are perfect. All of us have more that we need to know. And the one who can show us how to do that rightly and to give us everything we need to know is not me and is not you, but God working in and through you and me. Amen? Amen. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer as the worship team comes and prepares to lead us in our final song this morning. Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, this fourth characteristic 
Uh, and Lord, we know that any of these characteristics, really, humility, meekness, patience, it'd be hard-pressed for someone in here to say, I've got all of those figured out. Then we've got bearing with one another in love on top of all that. Father, I know that you can do abundantly above all that we ever ask or think, that your spirit as he works through us can give us the ability to swallow our pride, to come under your thoughts in ways which are higher than ours, that can give us the ability to uh, patiently endure and patiently wait, no matter how long it may take, as we have opportunities to sharpen one another as we bear with one another in love. And so, Father, I ask that for each one of uh, my brothers and sisters in here this morning. I ask that for me as well. Help us to reflect your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to one another and to the world around us because they need to see all four of these characteristics in action so that they may glorify you and come to know you as we continue to trust you in these days to come. So, Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.